All right, well, good evening. It's great to be here with you all. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. And for those of you who've joined online, yeah, kia ora, welcome to you. It's good to have you with us. Hey, listen, we've been in this series in this small little book called First John, you know, which is sandwiched between Second Peter and Second John. And it's kind of a short book, but man, is it full, isn't it? It's got a lot in it. And it was written by a man who actually walked with Jesus. Imagine that. He was one of the original 12 disciples. And John refers to that. He says that he saw Jesus, he touched him, he beheld his glory. And, um, you know, John had this hugely important role in leading the early church. And you may or may not realize that, but uh, he lived a very long time, right, almost near the end of the first century. And so he had a big influence on the early church. In fact, the New Testament, we have five documents written by him. And one of them is a greatly loved one. It's called the Gospel of John. And then his most famous one is the Revelation of Jesus Christ, um, which we all know about that. Well, listen, uh, the, the church at Ephesus, it was founded by Paul. But in fact, John was its first pastor. And there's quite a lot of evidence that, that supports that. And in fact, scholars think that... Um, when John is writing in Revelation, those first three chapters to these churches in Asia Minor in Ephesus, that's also a confirmation of this idea that he was the first pastor there of the church in Ephesus. And by the, by the late in the first century, the, the early church was having this huge impact by false teachers, where these false teachings were pulling people away from the faith that John had passed on to them. And John's hugely concerned about that when, when he's writing this letter. Uh, it's at the forefront of his mind. And he's, he's passionately against the false teachings. And he's hugely concerned for these Christians that are in his care. And for, in 1 John, you know, his fatherly concern and his, his pastoral affection, it, just, it kind of oozes from the page. You can just kind of feel it, even though it's hard in, in, in the written word. But it's very much there. Um, and he uses expressions like my little children or dear children or agape toy, this, this beloved, the, the loved ones that are God's loved people, um, common to John. And John, he wanted to refute the Gnostic heresy that was going at the time so that his children would not be led astray into sin. Okay? That's his real passion. And our challenges were just so far removed, right, from the time and the place. And in reading the letter, we really only hear one side of the story, which is a real common feature for us, right, when we read the New Testament letters. And it's like a few years ago when some of us communicated via aerograms. Aerograms, look at that. Yep, there you go. So this is a real aerogram right there. And... Um, yeah, have it in my hand with stamps on it. Imagine that, stamps. You can come and touch it, those of you who have never actually touched a stamp, okay? And, um, and inside this aerogram, it looks like that, all right? Yeah, it looks like that. So it's just jam-packed with writing. And I don't know if that next one can be up there, please. Um, but in this aerogram, it's an actual aerogram written to my wife Karen and I uh, by an outreach team that we sent to Calcutta, India, uh, when we were part of Youth with a Mission. And in this aerogram, they, um, they talk about what's happening for them, their experiences. Uh, they ask a few questions, and they expect a reply. 
right? And in that time, a reply took a few weeks. Can you believe that? And in fact, in this actual aerogram, the writer says, I really hope, Eric, you're going to write us soon. Um, so they obviously were waiting and waiting. And uh, just like we wrote aerograms to answer questions and to provide um, some pastoral encouragement uh, to people in ministry, John writes uh, in his first letter to ensure that the Christ followers stay on track and they don't get sucked into lies and deception. All right? And so listen, there's two big themes in 1 John, two big themes. One is walking with the God of light and responding to the God of love, all right? So walking with the God of light and responding to the God of love. And then when you read the five chapters straight on through, these four purposes just jump out, all right? Number one, that we may have fellowship and joy. Number two, that we may not sin. Number three, that we may not be deceived. And number four, that we may know that we have eternal life. All right, so just keep those in mind as we continue to work our way through John. And I've been asked to speak on a selection of verses from the end of chapter two and on into chapter three. And, um, you know, I've decided to call my message, I'm my father's child, okay? And you'll see in a moment why I've chosen that. I'm my father's child. It's living right in a world, you know, where wrong is normal, right? Because just like we have a challenge with that, they had a challenge at that time where John has this burden on his heart to say, can, can we please, please somehow live right before God, even though the world around us is against us and it wants to pull us away from God, wants to pull us into bad things. So would you join with me in prayer? Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to share these moments. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's real and living and it's powerful and that you can speak to us through your word. And so, God, I ask that you would help me, help us to hear what it is that you might be saying to us. So would you help us to open our hearts to you? And we pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Well, would you join with me as we listen in 1 John uh, chapter 2? We're going to start at verse 28. All right. Here we go. And now, dear children, continue in him, Jesus, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, which we just heard a moment ago. Thank you, Monica, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Verses 7 and 8. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. Just as he, referring to Jesus, is righteous. 
The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they were born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. All right, well, guess what? There's an awful lot in there, everybody, isn't there? And uh, so I'm just gonna pull out a few ideas of things that really just struck me as I was reading and praying and thinking about tonight. Now, I have a question for you. This is my question, is who of you here, when you were younger, your parents took you to some people's house, maybe for dinner or maybe to a party, and before you went inside the house, your mom or your dad said to you, now be on your best behavior, all right? We, we, oh yeah, 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 and uh, we don't want anything bad said about our family. Anybody? Okay, there's a few hands. Yeah? Oh, there's a, there's a parent nodding her head over there. Okay? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, we don't want anything bad said about our family. Oh my gosh, you guys, did I hear that quite a few times? All right, so that's kind of what's going on in these verses, all right? John, he has these two big things on his heart. He has a genuine care, genuine concern for the Christians in his care, that they don't become deceived and get pulled away from the faith that he's taught them. But he's also concerned that these Christ followers, that they are children of God and that they actually behave like the children of God. That's also a concern of his. And you know, much like the rest of the New Testament, 1 John has this really clear tone of right and wrong, of light and darkness, of the righteous and the unrighteous. And, you know, it's to such an extent that I considered calling this message um, black and white in a gray world, all right? And why is that? Because in our world, we don't do right and wrong in our world, do we? In fact, our world is just awash with gray, right? It's just gray here, gray there, gray here. It's just gray everywhere. Um, and yet the world of 1 John, and in fact, much of the world of the New Testament is not quite like that. It's really quite uh, black and white, and in fact, the contrast in 1 John, they're just stunning for their simplicity. Christ versus antichrists, light versus darkness, truth versus falsehood, righteousness versus sin, love of the Father versus love of the world, the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of Antichrist. And these contrasts, they reveal a letter that presents the world in this clear and uncomplicated way. There's right and there's wrong, full stop. That's it, yeah. But this emphasis by John, however, it's not without love, is it? It's not. It's quite the opposite, in fact, because John, he recognizes that love comes from God, and, and he encourages the believers to love one another. In fact, John was known as the apostle of love, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved. He self-described himself in, in his gospel. John's first epistle teaches that while it's important to recognize the lines between truth and error, that that must be done in a spirit of love, all right? That's really what he's saying. Yep, we can see truth and error, but if we're gonna bring correction, let's do it 
in, in an attitude and a tone of love. Well, before I comment on a key idea that jumped out at me, I'd like to define two words that are mentioned here, and they are important to John. Two words, all right? Righteous and sin. Here we go. Righteous simply means being in a right standing with God. This is what Jesus did for us in his death on the cross, isn't it? He was our advocate. Like John says earlier in chapter 2, in verses 1 and 2, he says that Jesus took our sins upon himself, and he was an advocate for us between us and our sins and the Father. All right? Jesus' death on the cross, it opened the way for us to be made right with God. So when we embrace Jesus, when we come to know him as our Savior and Lord, and when we turn away from a sinful lifestyle, and when we turn towards Jesus, God forgives our sins, and he gives us a right standing before him. Now, you guys, we might, maybe that is old news to you, but for some people, they'd be standing up and shouting and cheering right now. You know why that is? Because that's completely unique of any message that's out there in the world. That's the, that's the core of the Christian message, is that someone can be made right with God at any moment, at any time, in any place. It's incredible. It's incredible. In fact, if you're listening to my voice right now, you might be someone where this is maybe news to you. Well, I have good news for you. And the good news is that you can. You can confess your sins to God on the basis of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And you can be made right with God. You can have forgiveness of sins and you can come into Jesus' eternal life that actually comes inside of you, both simultaneously in you and you get placed into God. Now that's pretty incredible. All right, I notice nobody's jumping up and cheering right now. All right, well, good on you guys. All right, well, listen, what about sin? So we talked about righteous and then sin. All right, well, sin. Uh, you know, sin, is this like what Justin Bieber talked about in his recent music video called Holy? Anybody seen that or listened to that? Maybe a few of you have, okay. Well, you know, why would I bring that up? Well, you know, he, uh, he uses the word sinner there in his uh, music video. And some of you might have heard that recently Justin Bieber embraced the Christian faith. I don't know if you're aware of that. In an Instagram post on the 7th of September, he said this, I come from a small town in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. I didn't have material things and was never motivated by money or fame. I just loved music. But as I became a teenager, I let my insecurities and frustrations dictate what I put my value in. My values slowly started to change. I let ego and power take over, and my relationships suffered because of it. I truly desire healthy relationships. I want to be motivated by truth and love. I want to be aware of my blind spots and learn from them. I want to walk in the plans God has for me and not try and do it on my own. I want to give up my selfish desires daily so I can be a good husband and a future dad. I'm grateful that I can walk with Jesus as he leads the way. Well, how is that? Now, listen, it remains to be seen how this is going to work out for uh, our friend, the Bieber. All right. But um, we, right, we pray that he's sincere and that he is on the path. And we pray, in fact, that he's able to point people, you know, to Jesus. I think that was absolutely fantastic. Well, uh, I mentioned how that in his video, he uses the term sinner. In fact, he, it's a really cool thing what's going on in that video. But in the Bible reading tonight, 
10 times John uses the word sin or some kind of a related word, 10 times. So clearly this is a big deal for John. And what the Apostle John means by sin, as he's stating it here, he, it means to miss the mark, right? To miss the mark. And missing the mark is simply failing to achieve God's high holy standard that he set for right living. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Right? So all means all of you, but not me. No, actually, it's all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's standards. So the picture there is like this idea of an archer uh, trying to shoot an arrow at a target. And in this case, the target's about a kilometer away. All right? So it doesn't matter how strong, how big, how powerful, uh, or how good of an archer he or she might be, or pull on that arrow, and it just, just misses the target. And that's the way it is when it comes to sin. Each time when you and I sin, we miss the mark of the glory of God. When we try to reach God through our own efforts, we consistently fall short of God's standards. And, you know, guys, we use our own human efforts, don't we, to try and reach God by doing such things as trying to be a good person in order to earn our way into heaven or giving money to charitable causes in an attempt to please God or maybe not doing bad things, right? So if I was this big list of bad things I don't do, that's going to help me to earn God's favor. Well, actually, it doesn't do you much good because the scripture says we all have sinned. And it doesn't matter what we do. We don't measure up to God's holy standard. All right. Well, sin is also a transgression of the law. Do you remember that John used this word law earlier? You heard it maybe when we read the verse out there. Well, the word transgression means a violation of a law or a command. It also means to overstep a line, a boundary, a limit. In fact, the New Testament uses the word trespass. Maybe you've noticed that. In fact, some of the King James we might have learned when we were in school, where it says, forgive us our trespasses. Yeah, well, that's referring to this word sin that John's using here. So when we steal, when we covet, when we lie, when we're sexually immoral, we trespass. We cross over a standard that God has set, and we stepped over onto this side, the side of disobedience. That's what John's talking about here. Because God's perfect, his standard for us is perfection. I know, that's, that's pretty tough. But the fact is God cannot condone sin in the least degree. And so he sets perfection for us as the goal. Well, John did not want his listeners to willingly fall short of God's high holy standards. He didn't want them to willingly cross over into this line of disobedience. And John's tone, it's much like a parent for those of us who are parents, we know this, where we, we, we speak clearly to our children. Right? We give them really clear instructions, right? That if, if you do this in ABC, well, D, E, and F is going to happen, right? And those of us who are parents, we can relate to that. We, we try and be crystal clear with them. No vagueness, right? Um, right? So there's a hot element there, and if you, if you put your finger on that element, something's going to happen, right? And they still want to try it anyway, right? Of course, I never did that as a little boy. Um, all right, so that's kind of what is, is happening here, you know. We, we hope our kids will embrace and model our values. We hope as they grow older that, that they will make themselves proud and they'll make our family proud, you know, with a good kind of pride, right? And that's kind of what's happening there for John. 
All right, listen, I want to focus on something that jumped out at me when I was preparing for tonight. So what I want you to do is I want you to listen carefully again to these verses. I'm just going to kind of read my way through them. We're going to go back to verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And aren't we glad about that? No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him or her. He or she cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother or his sister. All right, well, listen, a few weeks ago, I was up here and I was talking about what my life was like before I came to know Jesus. And some of you were here and you might, might remember that. And I'll tell you that before I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, uh, I was sinning. In fact, I was sinning often, all right? It was just part of my everyday life. And the difference is when I came and trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and came to know him for myself, well, before I was a Christ follower, I knew the difference between right and wrong, right? And I felt guilty when I did wrong then, just like I feel guilty now. But what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, the difference is that after Jesus saved me, brought me into a, a fr friendship with himself, I hated sin, and I desperately tried to avoid it. Why? Because I knew that sin would displease Jesus. And this is how you can tell whether someone is a Christian or not. Find out what their attitude is towards sin. This is one way you can tell whether you yourself are in the faith. Examine your heart. Attitude towards sin. It's part of what's happening here in 1 John. So if you don't get anything else out of this message tonight, please take note of the real punch of what John is saying in these verses, what I'm going to say next, that believers are going to sin. We just don't do it habitually. Okay? Sin is not the habit pattern of our lives. When believers sin, it's the exception, not the rule. When believers sin, it's abnormal. It's a deviation. It's a departure from their normal behavior. Got that? That's what John's saying here in these verses. When we sin, we're not upholding the family name, right? Because God's children, they demonstrate holiness and right living. And John's trying to remind his listeners of that fact. All right, well, Alexander the Great, most of us here, put your hand up. Have you ever heard of Alexander the Great? Look at that. Oh, look at that. School, we have uh, NCA exams coming up, all right? History, right? Yeah, Alexander the Great but lived about 300 years before Christ, and he had these amazing armies. He just conquered most of the Mediterranean world at that time. And he was uh, sleeping one night. He actually was trying to sleep. He couldn't sleep, and so he woke up and decided that he would do some rounds. So he's walking around, and he came across a soldier that was on guard and who was asleep. And as, the, as, the, as he walked up, the soldier woke up and realized uh, who it was, and he stood up. And, uh, and he goes, soldier, you know the penalty for sleeping while you're on duty? And he was like, yes, 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 sir, yes, sir. And he just let it sit there. 
Because what was the penalty? It was death, like an instant death. And he says, soldier, what's your name? And he says, uh, it, it's Alexander, sir. He's like, what, 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 what what's your name? Uh, it, it's Alexander. Well, soldier, look straight at him. Soldier, you need to change your conduct or change your name. All right, so change your conduct or change your name. And that really is what John is saying here when we think about sin and how it affects us. All right, listen, earlier on we heard about how Justin Bieber had embraced the Christian faith. All right, how in September he had released this music video called Holy, which I told you about. Some of you heard it. Some of you might listen to it after this, in fact. And he features this rapper called Chance the Rapper. Now, Chance the Rapper, apparently, ostensibly himself, is moving towards the Christian faith. Very interesting. So what I'd like to do is I'd like you to listen to a little bit of Chance the Rapper, believe it or not, in this message. And uh, some of the words will be up on the screen. So let's see if we can do it. Here we go. Just kind of just inject that in there. You can listen to it for yourself. He says, I'm my father's child. And why is that? Why can we say that? Because Monica reminded us of that. And John does here. That God the Father's lavished his love upon us. That we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of his kindness and love to us. And yet he, he pours it on us and he calls us his own children, his own son, his own daughter. It's incredible. Well, listen, I know this has been kind of a heavy message tonight. And the good news is that we can come to Jesus, right? And we can always find forgiveness of sins and that we can we're made right with God on the basis of grace, of his loving kindness towards us, of God giving us more than, than we deserve, which is just incredible. And so what I want to do is I want, we're going to have a time of communion. And I want to invite you to respond to what you've heard tonight. And we have the elements of the bread and the juice that are there. And I want us to think about what Jesus did for us and what he can do for us right now. I want us to think about when the series started. I think it was Rob in 1 John, one of my favorite verses that I learned when I was a little boy. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and do what? And he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. And unrighteousness just simply means the filth that's inside of me. The filth that's inside of me from when I think sinful thoughts, when I say sinful words and I do sinful actions. So the Bible means when it says unrighteousness. And I'd like to read out two powerful verses from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, where Isaiah, God is speaking through him to God's people. And he's pleading with his people and he's saying, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. So that's the God 
speaking there of the Old Testament. And we have the same God in this New Testament letter of 1 John, who is a God of love. He loves us. And God knows that sin is very bad for us. He knows that it, it, it creates very bad things in our lives for us personally and for the people around us. And so if the Apostle John was here, I'm sure he'd be doing the same thing. He'd be pleading with us, saying, please receive the Father's love. Please take sin seriously. And please receive the forgiveness and grace that God offers us. And so as we think about communion, there's anything that's spoken to you tonight about, this, about sin? And I'd like you to hear a quote uh, that I really, really like by Alan Redpath. We can put that up there. The blood of Jesus will not cover what you are unwilling to uncover. What does that mean? What it means is that God has given us free will, and God wants me and you to humble ourselves and to choose to confess our sins, right? Because those of us who are pastors like this, we can say, why do, why do we have to confess our sins, right? Because God knows everything about me. Well, God wants, us, wants me to humble myself and to choose to own up when I do things that are wrong. Because when I do that, I take ownership of my own choices and my own actions. And the beauty of that is that forgiveness is freely available because of Jesus' blood shed on the cross. But that blood won't cover what I'm unwilling to uncover. And so tonight, I invite you to do business with God, or maybe someone else here you might want to talk and pray with, or maybe one of us. I invite you to come forward and to take the elements, and you can come up here like this, maybe go back on the sides, perhaps, with the, the people movement. Take the elements to your seat, and, and then we're going to play a song that I, I'd like you to try and listen in to the song and just invite you to do some business with God. All right? So if you guys could just delay a few moments on that song, I'm going to invite people to come now. Please come. Jesus, we thank you for this reminder from 1 John chapter 3 of how much that you love us. We thank you that you invite us into your life to be people of light, people of the truth, people who live with right hearts, with right consciences, people who become bright lights into a world where there's so much darkness. Spirit of God, we thank you that you're present here with us. We welcome your presence. We welcome your work in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're the same risen Savior and Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can receive your cleansing, that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation, what it means to know you and walk in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you that you've been present here with us tonight. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's been gathered here and maybe people have been, been with us online. Lord, we want to be your people. And so we welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your work in our lives. Would you fill us afresh? Would you give us the power we need to be God's people in a world that just desperately needs the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, that needs your life, your truth, and your light, your healing touch? May we be your people.
Thank you, Lord.